0: Father, many eyes eyes desire to see and many kings wanted to see the things that have been revealed to us in the new covenant. What a privilege, O oh Lord, we enjoy as saints in the new covenant. And therefore, this morning, even as we continue to meditate upon your word, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, continue to open our eyes. Grant us the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we might see. The hope of our calling, the exceeding riches of Christ Jesus that he has showered upon us when he raised Christ Jesus and made him to be seated at the right hand of the power, far above every principality and power of darkness. And this morning I pray, Lord, speak to our hearts once again. Open our eyes that we might see wondrous things from your word. Speak to us. I pray Father that even as we receive your word by faith, you'd fill us with your Holy Spirit. Anoint us, Father, this morning to not only understand your word, but also the grace to obey what we have heard, the grace to surrender ourselves and to submit ourselves to the authority of God in our lives. To that end, I pray that you would bless the speaking and the hearing of this word. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, uh, this morning, we are a couple of days away from Pentecost, 29 and 30, and then the day after tomorrow, we'll be entering into Pentecost. Finishing 12 years of our church, exciting days ahead. And we've been looking at the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Uh, We've been looking at one of his works that he does yesterday about the more excellent way. Which is the way of what? Love. If you turn with me to First Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse... Two and three, First Thessalonians chapter one, verses two and three. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in, in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and your patience of hope. Okay, labor of love. Love has a labor. We can labor without love, but we cannot love without labor. Okay. So there is a labor of love, and that's something which is we've been exhorted to consider yesterday, especially, that it is the more excellent way. Should I wait? Am I okay? Okay. All right, labor of love, patience of hope. Now abide, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of this is what? Is love. And we want this love, right? It's impossible for us to uh, manufacture this love, and it's a command. We've, we looked at the four loves last, last yesterday, but the only love which will stand the test of time is the love which God has, which is which we call call it as agapeo or agape. And it is commanded, by the way. We are commanded to love God. How do I know it? Deuteronomy chapter six. Let's read from verse four onwards, four and five. That's enough. Deuteronomy. Chapter 6, verse 4 and 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love. It's a command. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Hmm, that's the command that uh, we've been given. And of course, in the new covenant, we've been given another command. The new commandment. Don't ever turn the john's gospel chapter 16 that you shall love your brothers by this shall all know that you are my disciples by the love that you show in ad, in demonstration in on operation and demonstration yeah the love that you show in demonstration the love that you give in operation this love this love is a reflection of god is what ldd stands for am i right Alright, so that is a command that we've been given. And we can't manufacture this love. I mean, if, yesterday if you heard the word, <laughs> you cannot go to sleep uh, with uh, with a clear conscience. Having been exhorted to love, you should love. My goodness, what a command. How do we uh, garner and uh, manufacture that? It's impossible for us to do it. We can possibly have affections towards friends, especially people people who agree with us and who are going in the same direction. It's easy to do that, but... <laughs> this kind of love not possible and therefore god himself gives us a promise in the in the old covenant not the new if you turn it to again the same book deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 6 look at what it says deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 6 and the lord your god will circumcise your heart and the heart of your descendants that is your spiritual progeny of course your your heart and the heart of your descendants to love The Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. Okay, so he he said, the Lord your God himself will circumcise your heart. And we know, in other words, circumcision is a painful process. It's not an easy thing to go through. Okay, it's very, very painful process. Of course, we're we're talking about the circumcision in the flesh. And this is, of course... Uh, cutting away of the flesh is a painful process. In other words, in order for us to have this love of God, love of God in our hearts, God takes us through a process. And what we call it uh, in the old covenant and the new covenant terms is what we call a circumcision. Of course, we're not talking about circumcision of the flesh. If you turn to Romans chapter 2 uh, and uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3, Romans chapter 2 first, if you turn to Romans chapter 2, and verse 25 onwards he talks about this he says for the for circumcision is is indeed profitable if you keep the law okay for circumcision is indeed profitable if you keep the law but if you are a breaker of the law your circumcision has become uncircumcision therefore if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law and we know that the righteous requirements of the law may be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. And what is the fulfillment of the righteous requirement of the law? We know from Romans chapter 13, it is the law of love. Therefore, so he's talking about circumcision in that, in that context. So keep, keep, keep all these uh, verses in mind. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man keeps the righteous requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And then he goes, goes on to say, and will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, Judge you who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, not a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly and circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit, not in the letter whose praise is not from men, but from God. You see that circumcision is that of the heart in the spirit. Not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. This is what is the spiritual significance of the old covenant equivalent of circumcision. Therefore, he says, the Lord your God himself will circumcise your heart. That you may love him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. That you may live, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And therefore, the righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. We looked at that yesterday in great detail. So, we want to love. So again, Philippians chapter 3 verse 3, for we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. So we understand spiritually in New Covenant terms what it means to be circumcised. And therefore, what it was in the Old Covenant. And if you remember, when Joshua was entering into the Promised Land, the entire generation who were in the the wilderness were not circumcised. And after they crossed Jordan, before they they conquered Jericho, at at the mountain of four skins called Gilgal, they are circumcised and for three days they have to rest. That means there's a painful process three days of course is a is a significant number it keeps on occurring three days from labor to rest we understand that right it's a it's a spiritual number that god has to take us through a process that three-day process in order of to work out the circumcision in our lives so that we will love him and that is something which god takes us through so that he can fill us with the holy spirit right understand that and we need this why We know that in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. And because lawlessness or iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Okay, you got that? 24, 12. Because lawlessness or iniquity will abound, In the last days. The love of many will grow cold. And of course. That's exactly what happens even to the church. And the first church to whom. John writes to in Revelation chapter 2 verse 4. He says. Nevertheless. I have somewhat against you. I have this against you. That you have left your first love. And he asked them to repent. Because they had works they had labor they had patience but what did they lose no faith, no love and therefore no hope you'll see the, the book of uh, revelation talks about that so how does god take us through this process of circumcision especially in the old in the new covenant what is the process that he takes us through and how does he accomplish that so that we will love him So that he can pour out his Holy Spirit into our lives. And let us look at that process. Very famous. We all know this. We've looked at it in 150 odd messages. At least minimally. If uh, preached from this pulpit. Turn, Turn to Romans chapter 5. Let's read from verses 1 to 5. We know this very well. If you can put it in the NASB. I'll be really really grateful. Because I want us to look at that carefully. Therefore so whenever you look at therefore we've been yeah we need to ask this question why is it therefore okay there's a lot of things going on previous verses okay therefore anyways we are not going to uh, delve into all that today therefore having been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ Through whom we have also, we also have obtained our access or introduction in as we use the word. I like that introduction also. Introduction by faith or access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we exult or we boast in the hope of the glory of God. And then, and not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations or afflictions. Knowing that affliction or tribulation works brings about perseverance. And perseverance brings about proven character. And proven character brings hope. And hope does not disappoint or does not make us ashamed. Because what? The love of God is shed abroad or been poured out. I like that. He's been poured out into our heart through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is a process of circumcision. So what is? How many steps? Oh yeah, of course. First, you'll see. I mean, you. I'm not joking. Okay, this is so so true. He says, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, and by this we have obtained introduction or access by faith, by this faith into the grace in which, upon which we stand. That's the first step. Okay, we have to be justified. We have to have peace with God. And that is what we call as repentance. Okay, either God justifies you or you justify yourself. Okay, we remember the parable of uh, the tax collector and uh, the Pharisee. Pharisee wanted to justify himself. Tax collector said, Lord, I don't, <laughs> don't even want to do that. And Jesus says, this man has gone home. And justified. Who is that? The tax collector. First we need to be justified. Okay. How are we justified? By faith. Okay. And after we have been justified, what does it mean? We have been declared absolutely righteous. As if we have never sinned. I mean, the moment you, you look at these verses, some of the things that you have to really, really, really know, we look at them over and over and over again, until until, until unless it becomes, becomes a reality in our own lives, um, we don't really uh, experience a thrust of such verses. The word of God has got the power to work in those who believe. So believe. So having been justified, therefore no court can bring any condemnation against you. Any guilt, any condemnation against you. The the Holy Spirit only will bring conviction. That is exactly the reason why Romans chapter 8 will say, If God, it is God who justifies who is it to condemn. You don't have to turn there, okay? It's who can bring any charge against God's elect? Answer, no one. Nobody can bring any charge against God's elect. Why? It is God who justifies. Why? Because he doesn't look at your work. He looks at the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And the moment you believe that, you're done. That is the reason why it says the tax collectors, were so happy and they justified God having been baptized in the baptism of John, but not the Pharisees. Understand that. For first thing, having been justified by faith, what do we have? We have a right standing with God. So today, this morning, One of the things you have to confess: No weapon formed against me will prosper, and every tongue, even if they bring something out about your past which is true, you know what? (laughs) Who's that person? I don't know. That fellow is dead, already gone. Who are you talking about? Okay, It's, it's over. The court of the Supreme Court of the Universe has. Cleansed your slate and has given you absolutely a clean standing without God. So people can bring up bring your past and say, We know what kind of a person you were. Ah, no, don't try to act as if you are now become holy, holy, holy. Oh, you're so holy. Um, now you are telling us what to do, etc. etc. People bring so many things. What do we do? Whom are you talking about? You know that old is that fellow is dead, he's gone. What is the baptism is over. I'm real, I'm I'm living in the reality of my baptism. I do not want, I do not know who that person is. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, everything has become new, justified by faith. Having been justified by faith, we have peace with God, and therefore, after this, we have an introduction by faith into this grace, because by grace we have been saved, no, not. Of our own works, right? Remember that? Second, therefore, we have introduction by the second. Second, he says, through whom we have also obtained, okay, so also it's, 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 uh, the part of the first, we have also obtained an access by grace into this faith, by faith into this grace upon which we stand. Now, what do we stand on? We stand on that grace. What is that grace now? That grace which enables me to live the reality of the new creation. You understand? What is a what is the grace which, which is given to me at the present, having been justified, I have peace about my past, it gives me the power, it's called the Spirit of Grace, it, it empowers me to re- live the reality of what I am in Christ. That is the reason why it says in Titus chapter 2 the grace of God which is which brings salvation to all has appeared, it teaches me to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live godly and self-controlled, righteous lives upon this on this side of eternity, eternity. It also gives me the, the power to work hard. Okay. So grace is the power of God which, which is given to me by faith. We have access by faith into this grace which enables me to live a life which is expected from this new creation. That is the reality of the new creation. That is grace. Alright. And after that, what do we do? When this grace is given, ultimately what ultimately happens? We exult in the hope of the glory of God. Through my life, who is glorified? God is glorified that is the reason why we turn with me to first peter chapter 4 let us read this to get this concept okay this concept only okay just just see this this connection here first peter chapter 4 and verse 10 to 10 and 11 let's see <clears throat> as each one has received a gift minister to one another Minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold or the spectrum. Manifold means the spectrum of of the grace of God. If anyone speaks, let him speaks as speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do as with the ability with which God supplies that in all things who may be glorified, Christ or God may be, may be glorified to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever. Amen. Uh, Sami, uh, were you able to get the song? Okay, thank you. Sorry. Thank you. Uh, to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever. So who, who gets the glory? So we exult or we we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Why? Because we've been given access by faith into this grace. All right. That is the second step. What is the third step? Third, it says, go back to Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 onwards. And not only this. <laughs> What do we exult in? We exult in our tribulations. Other translations use the word afflictions. We exult in afflictions. What does affliction mean? It means, physically speaking, or I mean if you want to think, to be brought into a constriction. To be pressed upon from different directions. Okay. To come to a point (laughs) where you have very little space to maneuver. That is what... Uh, you can imagine affliction to be, alright? And not only this, but we also exult in tribulations knowing that tribulation or afflictions brings about perseverance and perseverance proven character and character proven character hope will, will come to that. So until the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts like through, because this hope does not disappoint and what is this hope? This hope is brought about by proven character. And how is this proven character produced? It is produced through perseverance. And how is this perseverance wrought? It is wrought through exulting in what we call as afflictions. Okay. So what are afflictions? And what do they reveal in our hearts? And how does God bring about this process of circumcision of of our hearts through afflictions? Is something which we want to examine. What do afflictions reveal? And the problem is, it's like this, no? It's like afflictions, perseverance, proven character, hope, love of God. It's like, you know, uh, Song of Degrees, no? From one spiritual stage to the next, you're going. What is that? First, afflictions, perseverance. If you persevere, you have character. Character produces hope. Hope does not disappoint. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given to us. So what happens, many people <laughs> fall away, you know, even in the first step. What we call, what we call them? Tribulations or afflictions. Why? What is affliction? Affliction is, come to, is to come to a point of realizing something. Coming to a point of realizing that we don't have strength. Let me prove to you what, what that means. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 to 14. You know this very well. Enter by the narrow gate. Okay. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate or straight is the gate and afflicted, that's over difficult. Afflicted is the way or difficult is the way which leads to life and there are few who find it meaning the way to life is filled with afflictions and tribulations. And what does it do? What God brings you constantly to the point where you realize that you don't have it, you have sufficient resources in and of yourselves to go through this narrow gate. It's impossible. I mean, we know what an eye of a needle is. Camel can go through an eye of a needle. A rich man cannot enter into the kingdom of God. What comparisons? What does it mean though? It First of all, affliction makes something very clear. It says the way to life is narrow. (laughs) It's not broad. What does it mean? John's Gospel chapter 14 verse 6 will say, we don't have to turn there, we know this very well. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The problem is, everybody wants life. Everybody wants eternal life. And Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. But, in order to experience that life, we have to enter into the way. But between way and life, what is there? We know it very well. We heard it so many times. What is lying? Truth. And that is the most difficult person to handle. Difficult person to handle, mind you. Because truth is not an idea. It's not even an abstraction. It is the most difficult person to handle. In order to enter into life, we have to pass through truth. If you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 59, verses 14 and 15, look at what it says. We looked at it several times. I'll ask Sammy to put this message in the description box again about uh, truth, justice, uh, fallen in the street. I would really encourage you. One of the pastor's conference messages, it's got both English and Telugu translation. So if you want to uh, mute the Telugu and just go with the English translation, I would really, really encourage you to listen to that message. And I will ask Sammy to put the link in the description box. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 14 and 15 will say, justice is turned back, righteousness stands afar off, as if they are all persons, who is justice ultimately, Jesus is the one who is the just one, justice is turned back, righteousness stands afar off, why, truth is fallen in the street and therefore equity equity cannot enter, everything has been given a personality, isn't it, so truth fails. And he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. Then the Lord saw it and displeased him that there was no justice of most difficult person to handle is a truth. That is the reason why this way to life is narrow. All of us, we will have to deal with truth in a world in which expediency is venerated. You know what expediency is, right? Huh. What? Whatever is get, whatever gets by is venerated, is glorified. I just wrote this down. A world which is given over to equivocation. Where you are afraid to speak the truth lest you offend. Where universities especially don't want freedom of speech, but want freedom from speech. Especially. I'm quoting, of course, one man of God here. That's why people love Obama and hate President Trump. Because you don't see equivocation in his speech. That is President Trump's speech. On the other hand, Obama speaks with such ambiguity that people say, wow. But nobody knows what he has said, ultimately. Nobody knows what he stands for. What his convictions are. Everything is ambiguous. That is what is equivocation. And everyone loves it because it has, no, it has offended no one. That's okay with politicians, but not with God's watchmen. We are exhorted to speak the truth in love, but we are not allowed to shun away from declaring the whole counsel of God, lest your blood be upon our hands. Even if truth hurts, truth hurts, but it heals. He shall know the truth, And only the truth shall set you free. And the most difficult thing to accept is the truth about ourselves. And that is the reason why we get offended. I titled today's message as scandal quotient. What's your scandal quotient? Not intelligence quotient. Scandal quotient. How do you get quotient? When you? Excuse me? Divide. Exactly. What is division? Repeated subtraction. So how much can God subtract you? In other words, is a, is your scandal quotient. We'll come to that later on. Okay. Scandal. What is your SQ? <laughs> not IQ. Scandal quotient. But we are not allowed to shun away. That is the reason why everybody loves Obama. Oh, kya re kya speech revai. What fantastic oration? It's like, you know, what's his name? Uh, Herod, no? Oh! oh, oh. He spoke with such fantastic power. This man speaks like he's God. Finished. The next moment he was eaten up by worms and died because he did not give God glory. Okay. Equivocation is the order of the day. Experiency is venerated. People want freedom From speech, not freedom of speech. Lest we offend. That is the reason why the way to life is narrow. You know why? Because you have to deal with the person of Jesus Christ. Who says, I am the truth. Therefore, the way to life is difficult. And affliction or crisis in our lives shows us the truth about ourselves. And we have to come to terms with it. At Mara. Israel was thirsty after a three day journey and the first thing God exposed in their lives is what? Bitterness. Their tendency to complain and rebel against authority. That is what God exposed. That is the reason why 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verse 19 will say, if you put it in the NIV please, if you, I love the NIV version. <clears throat> 11, 19. No doubt, there have to be differences among you. Or heresies among you. Heresies, meaning what? Heresies is nothing but opposite to truth, basically. Heresies among you to, to show which of you have God's approval. And God will allow situations in our lives, circumstances in our lives, in this Long journey towards the celestial city. Hmm. To show us our scandal quotient. SQ. We'll come to that. Okay, just keep that in mind. Hmm. God led them to a confined space. In this case, a lack of, a lack in this case of water that would quench thirst. Which is an affliction essentially. And showed that, show what was in their heart. Their bitterness was revealed. That was the truth and the only way they could receive life is to accept the truth about themselves. And that is when Jesus said, you know, Moses said, put that thing in the, in the water and the wood in the water and it was bitter was made sweet. God allows afflictions. That's what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 8 verses 2 and 3. Look at what it says. and you shall remember that the Lord your God led you all these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what is in your heart. You see that? To test you, to know what is in your heart so that he could circumcise your heart, essentially. Okay, Whether you would keep his commandments or not, or, or commandments or not, so he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor, your, nor did your forefathers know, that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone. Everybody wants life. Who doesn't want life? Everybody wants eternal life. That's what the Samaritan woman also said. Huh, please, please give me this water. I don't want to come back to this place again. Please call your husband. But the only way to Life is to deal with truth. And what does it do? The narrow path, the narrow path, the narrow path reveals our loves, our affections. How do I know? We know the parable of the rich young ruler, parable, story of the rich young ruler, okay, the episode of the rich young ruler. It is mentioned in three gospels. Gospel according to Mark highlights something very interesting. Turn to Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 17 to 22. Mark's. If we can switch off all the fans, then we can save power. The load on the inverter will be less. Yeah? Ah, you can if you want to. Uh, is the internet okay? How is the speed? Is it okay? Not okay? It's okay. Is that okay? Can I proceed? Alright. <clears throat> I'll wait. Give you one, minute. It's back. So Mark's Gospel chapter 10. Uh, Roshan, don't worry about it. It's okay. Take it easy. Okay. Just wait. Mark's Gospel chapter 10 and verse 17 onwards, 17 to 22. And the power is back. We've been experiencing this uh, power shortages and outages for Quite some time now. So let's, please pray for us. Um, now as he was going out on the road, one came running, of course, knelt before him. And this guy has got some incredible manners. Okay. It's really, really a manner guy, a fully manner, mannered guy. He's a very good guy. You know, I think we could, this kind of a son if you have, or a daughter if you have, boy. Now as he was going out on the road, one came running, knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do that I may inherit? I want eternal life. I want life. So Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but one. That is God. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he answered and said to him, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Then Jesus, I like that. This is what Mark's gospel highlights. Looking at him and loved him and said to him, he looked at him and he said, boy, what a guy. One thing you lack. Go your way. Sell whatever you have and give it to the poor okay you will have treasure in heaven take up the cross that is also added and follow me the guy understood the whole thing he understood oh he's not talking about salvation over here no 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 we are not talking about salvation every, we are talking about discipleship as if discipleship is different from salvation How can you differentiate? It doesn't say go into all the world and make what believers? No, disciples of all nations. It's 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 consistent through scripture, by the way. If you turn to if you go to Mark's Gospel, also he says those who believe and are baptized, meaning what? They choose to become disciples. They've chosen to die to the world. And Luke will say, you shall receive power, and you shall be my what? Witnesses. Okay. And then John's gospel will say, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. That means they are, these are the people who have come into the fold. They are not people who are just willing to, I mean, just go get by. No, 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 no. We're not talking about that. One thing you like, go your way, sell whatever you have, give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come up, come and take up your cross and follow me. And you know what happens next verse? But he was sad at this Oh, no, 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 look at this. At this word, that's the point, my dear brothers. NKJV will use the word saying. NKJV uses the word, word, logos, which is nothing but the truths. He was sad at this word. That means he understood. He understood his affections. That his affections were contrary to the affections that God desires in his heart. What happened? He went away sorrowful. You know what the word sad actually means as if dark clouds were looming around him gloom <laughs> he was in other words he was astonished what do you mean all the things that i worked for all these days with all my all the good that i was right from my youth you want me give it up give it all up for you and went away sorrowful for he had what Great possessions are sorry, sorrowful we get from the word. This was what we call as worldly sorrow. <laughs> Leaves what? Regret. Godly sorrow brings what? Repentance. For he had great possessions. In other words, he wanted all this and heaven too. What did he want? All this and heaven too. God said no way. So afflictions or this path, narrow path... You know what it does? It reveals your affections. What is dear to you? Your priorities, your value systems are exposed. Six twenty-four, Matthew. Hmm. No one can serve two masters. Okay, no. Look at this. Serve, bolatoh. Being a dulos or being a be, nobody can be bond servants of two masters. That's what it means, actually. For either he will hate the one and love the other. You see that? (laughs) There's only two people, either hating or loving. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. So what are we asked to be? Love God and be loyal to him. Or hate God and despise him. These are the only two possibilities. No neutral position. You cannot serve God and mammon. You cannot serve God and hold on to the other. <laughs> Impossible. Therefore, what happens? Go back to Mark's, Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 23. Look at what it says. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is to those who have riches, or other to have riches, to enter into the kingdom of God. As I told you, right, riches have a disposition that you don't want God. Why do you want God? But again, deep down inside of your heart, you know, <laughs> you're still falling short. And then what happens? Verse 24. And the disciples were astonished at these words. And Jesus answered again and said to him, children, how hard it is for those who trust in riches to enter into the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of an needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. So what is it? Everybody wants life. Uh, what is what are those riches your riches could be your reputation baba that's what it, that's what he says right to nicodemus unless you are born born from above you cannot see the kingdom of god unless you are born of the water and of the word uh, water and of the spirit you cannot enter the kingdom of god and you you have to strip yourself of all your all of all your uh, uh Riches in terms of reputation here, of course, in order for you to enter into life. On the way to life, you have to encounter truth. And you will realize that this narrow path or this confined path will expose your loves. What you hold on to with your dear life. Some people hold on to possessions. Some people hold on to reputation. Some people to hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness. They refuse to let go release, to release forgiveness. And all this, the narrow path exposes. That's the truth. And that's why we stumble. And that's where we stumble. First thing, what does the narrow path reveal? It reveals our loves, our affections. Second, what we love, what what is that we hold on to. Second, it exposes our prejudices. Okay, let us look at that. I mean, you know but we looked at prejudices right a few days back when pastor was talking from the book of acts turn to luke's gospel chapter 10 verse 25 onwards 25 to 29 first and 33 25 to 29 and then 33 okay and behold a certain lawyer stood up and tested him saying teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life same question but this time tested okay he said to them said to him what is written in the law what is your reading of it there he said, do the commandments. Here he's saying, what is written in the law? What is your ending of it? So he answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength, with all of your mind and your neighbor as your self. And then, and he said to him, you have answered rightly and do this and you will live. But he wanting to justify himself said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? Oh, verse 33. You know the story. But a certain Samaritan as he journeyed came there where he was and when he saw him, he had compassion. And then, 33 onwards, okay? 33-34. So he went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And verse 36. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Now, you'll know the prejudice. And he said, he who? What did he not say? Samaritan. reveals your prejudices. He who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Meaning what? Go and love the Samaritan. You would not even pass that road. In fact, they say that even the shadow of the Samaritan should not fall on a Jew. The untouchability That is how much they hate the Samaritans. The hidden prejudices were revealed. So the narrow path reveals that. That's the truth about ourselves. What are our prejudices? I mean, one of those, what uh, we talked about on Acts, I'm telling you, it convicted me so much. And it's like impossible for us to go to sleep with that disturbing conscience because it exposes our prejudices. The way we look down upon people. Especially people who don't think like the way we think. And especially when you know that you are thinking right. (laughs) Right? It's difficult. Exposes our prejudices. So. What did God say? Ye showed mercy to him. Then Jesus said, go and do Likewise, meaning what? Extend mercy, Baba. Afflictions reveal our prejudices. They reveal our loves. They reveal our prejudices. That is the reason why God puts us into a group of different kinds of people. One from this country, two from another other country. It says in Jeremiah chapter 3, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart. I wish all of them were from the same place. And I've seen that. No? When you go to Canada especially, it is all the Telukus come together, not Indians also. It is not Indian Students Association anymore. Among the Indian Student Association, there is a Gult and there's an ill. All categories of people will be there. Why? It's like that. Forget about integration. You you go to any hostel. Yes, you go okay. You go to the hostel, all the Bengalis will have one group. Oh, you know exactly where they stay. Everybody on all the Telugus will be in one group. B block Telugus, C block <laughs> Bengalis, and, and I don't know. It's very interesting. All the Hindi people are scattered all around, all around, all around the place, though. I don't know. Why it, that is why. That is how it is. I guess. Okay, but <laughs> we don't know. I'm just. I'm just uh, seeing. I observed this, and uh, you should see the way we. Look down upon others, no? Especially when a Hindi fellow comes, we start speaking in our own mother tongue. And fellows feel so uncomfortable. And with a straight, with a smiling face, we start abusing him also. You see? I'm telling you, it reveals our prejudices. Reveals our prejudices. Afflictions especially. All right second third thing affliction reveals our depth the depth of our relationship with god that is what i call as a scandal question okay let's let's go there mark's gospel chapter 4 and verse 20 and 21 i like this but these are the ones sown on good ground those who hear, sorry 4, 18 and 19? Sorry. 18 and nine? No, no. Sorry, sorry. 16 and 17. Apologize. Mark 4, 16 and 17. This is Matthew 13, 20. Okay, so don't worry. Likewise, 16 and 17. Mark 4, 16 and 17. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. When they hear the word, immediately receive with gladness or with joy. Other translations will use And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Afterward when tribulation or affliction. I told you right? Tribulation. Or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble or they get offended. Okay. They get offended because of the what? Because of the word. That is the reason why. Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. And we're in the NIV now. Okay. 11, 19. 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen. 19. No doubt, there have to be differences among you. To show which of you have God's approval. And I wrote this down. Those, which of you have God's approval, meaning most of the time, Those people who have God's approval do not have the approval of man. Most of the time. Not all the time. Most of the time. And they are willing to suffer the loss of reputation for the sake of the word. Jesus made himself of no reputation. He chose to be numbered among the transgressors. So also these men for the sake of the word, they are willing to suffer loss even of reputation. Therefore, affliction reveals our scandal quotient. Why? When tribulation or persecution arises for the sake of the word, immediately they get offended. The word in the word for offended in the in the Greek is what scandal in it, so which is which means to be scandalized. They're afraid to become a part of a scandal. So, question is. How much is your scandal quotient? How much of your reputation God can subtract from your life? That is the reason why people who get into the kingdom are people who have no reputation in as far as the world is concerned. That's the reason why the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering into the kingdom. But you Pharisees who have a reputation are outside because you're not willing to go through this process of getting what we call as emptying of yourself of uh, and making yourself of no reputation. Scandal quotient. We'll talk about scandal quotient today. What should be your perfect scandal quotient? Seven. Thank you very much. How deep are your roots? How How much can God subtract from your life? Before you, get, before you will get offended for the sake of the word. That's a very important question, my dear brothers. Especially during the times that we are living in. How much of the reputation you are willing to suffer for as a loss for the sake of the word. Unless and until you come to that point, I'm telling you, you will be offended. And you will say, you know what? This Christianity is too much and you will walk away. Let us look at one man. Very good man. Godly man. Let us measure his candle quotient. Already <laughs> somebody has is talking, talking about it. Who do you think I am talking about? John's Gospel chapter 1. Verses 19 onwards. John's Gospel chapter 1. Verse 19 onwards. Now, this is the testimony of John or the witness of John. When Jews sent Pharisees and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? There are credentials. Hai. So let us see how how he fares the first test. He confessed and did not deny. But confessed. What? I am not the Christ. <laughs> then they asked him. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Muhammad said, yes, I am. (sighs) You take the worst prophet in the Old Testament and you compare him with Muhammad, he will be worse than him. That is how worse he is. Sorry to offend you, but I am speaking the truth. If you are offended, I, I don't apologize. <laughs> because I don't want to apologize for truth. Because he is not the prophet. Deuteronomy 8:18 8, is what? 18, sorry. 18.8 if I'm right. Don't have to turn there. Okay. And Deuteronomy 18, chapter 18 says, He, I am gonna raise a prophet just like me from your brothers. And he's talking about Jesus, not Muhammad. Okay. I am not, he said. Who said? John. No, are you the prophet? And he answered. No, of course not. They said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? And John answered and said, I am the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Who is that one, Baba? We don't know. Huh. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees. Who are this? Who is this person? The first test absolutely secure in his identity. Who is this person? John's. He knows what he is not. (laughs) We should know what we are not before we. God gives us what we are. He knew very well who he was not. And even though he came in the spirit and the power of Elijah, he was not too quick to accept those accolades upon him. Why? Ultimately, who gives the approval? God. Good teacher, what good thing shall I do to attain eternal life? Why do you call me good first? Please don't judge me. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1, 2, 3, and 4. In fact, we can. let no let a man consider so let man let a man so consider us as the servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. And verse 3. But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge my own self. For I know of nothing against myself, yet I am not thereby justified. But he who judges me is the Lord. I will not say, okay, my conscience is clear. But that doesn't mean that I am the righteous man. No. Look at what it says, next verse. Verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. You have you have made judgments. You are only allowed to judge in the place where you have been given spiritual authority. Where you have not been given spiritual authority, please shut your mouth. S-U-M, some, S-Y-M. S-U-M is also okay, no? You are are the Shut your mouth. And I say that categorically where you are not given spiritual authority, don't open your mouth. Make judgment calls. Sorry if it offends you. Shut your mouth. Okay. Even though he was... Are you Elijah? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, I am Elijah. My dad said, you know, you will be going like, no. You, who also said, even Jesus said he was Elijah. Did he not say? Of course he said. But is he going to accept the tackle upon himself, especially from the Pharisees? No. He is not going to accept any approval from him. That is the reason why Paul says, those who compare themselves with themselves are fools. My standard is God. So I'll wait for my justification and my vindication from God. Okay. So. They said, who is this fellow, this? This fellow. I remember that, uh, uh, that episode when, uh, Amaziah is, he falls from the, from the lattice and, and go and ask Beelzebub. And the servant goes and, and uh, Elijah <laughs> encounters him. And he just rebukes him and he goes back. The servant goes back and says, This man came. How does he look? Camel's hair. The belt around his waist. Elijah. Man without no reputation. That's exactly the reason why Jesus said, What did you go in the wilderness to seek? A man driven by the winds? No, a man of strong convictions. A man dressed in fine apparel? No. Those who dress in fine apparel are living in palaces. Of all the people who are born of men of, of, of women, there is no greater than John the Baptist. And this is Elijah. If you have already accepted him. So, scandal question one. Subtraction. Test number one with flying colors he comes out. Let us go to test number two. John's Gospel, chapter one, verse twenty-nine. I love this. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, "Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." Go on. This is He of whom I said, "After me comes the, comes a man who is preferred before me, for He was before me. He is preferred, not me." I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. Verse 35. Verse 35. And again the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. Two of his disciples. Who are these disciples? I'll, 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 I'll tell you. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold the Lamb of God. And look at this next verse. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. People left him Right at that instant, and they started following Jesus. Was he offended? No. In fact, the attitude of a true man of God is revealed when someone comes and says, I want to go somewhere else, where I'm being fed the word. I have grown. I believe God is asking me to go to the next level. I want to be somewhere else, where I can be disciplined better, or rather discipled better, and I have to, and I have a closer walk with Jesus. Where I will not be, where I will be sufficiently challenged. I'm not being sufficiently challenged over here. What will you say? You found a better place? Will you be better challenged? Let me get my car. I'll drop you. That's what I told Peter the other day. <laughs> you find a better place, boss. You're being better, you're being fed the word. You're being challenged. And you're there's a higher level of walk with the Lord, and you're saying, "Lord, Lord is leading me to go there. I'll be the first person to take you in my car and drop you there. If I have a car, in my now now, now I have a bag, I'll drop you in my bag. No problem. No problem. I'll never get I'll never get offended. You are released. Why? The purpose of my ministry is that you have a closer walk with Jesus. And if you are able to get a closer walk with Jesus somewhere else, huh, of course. I'll be the happy, the happiest person to release you. He was not offended. Of course, my ultimate is, aim is that you should follow Jesus. That's the whole purpose of my ministry—not to hold myself to you or yourself to me. That you will follow Jesus. So, two of his best disciples, two of his best—I think about it—the best of your flock goes, leaves you, and says, "You know what? I, I'm not really challenged over here. I want to go to a better place." Who is that? Who are those two? John and Andrew, actually. Left John the Baptist and began to follow Jesus. And what did he say? No problem. This is what I want. And in fact, think about it, no? We have a school. Let's say, after 12th grade, one of the students gets an admission into, let's say, Princeton. Will I say, why, how come you're leaving my school and going to Princeton? Will I say that? I'll be proud. Hurry! The best of my flock is getting admission in the best of the universities in the world. Boy, it shows something which I've, uh, that means I have really, really discipled them well, right? Or rather mentored them well. Praise God! <laughs> That's what I'll say. How do you see when people leave you? You know that they have graduated to another level. And they're going to a higher degree. And what do you say? Praise God. I am successful in my ministry. So two of his best leave and follow Jesus. Is he offended? No. Test number two. Past. Scandal question. Two. Let's go to the next level now. John's Gospel chapter 3. Very interesting details are given. Let's read from verse 22 onwards. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he remained with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing in in Anon near Salim. Because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized. 24, the detail. For John had not yet been into prison. You should keep underline this line in the Bible john has not been put into prison then there arose a dispute as i said it is it is important that differences <laughs> should arise so that those who have god's approval might be recognized then there arose a dispute between some of the john's disciples and jews about purification about baptism okay and then verse 26 and they came to john and said to him rabbi he who was with you beyond the John and to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Will you get offended? John answered and said, a man can, oh, I love this boss. I mean, whenever I read this, I get tears in my eyes. Okay, He said, a man can receive or rather you should receive. You should receive nothing except it has been given from his father by, his, by, uh, by him from heaven. You yourself bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears them rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, the joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase and I must decrease. What does he say? He says five things. A man should deceive nothing. Unless it has been given to him from heaven. My dear brothers and sisters, let this be your prayer. Lord, I should receive nothing before my time. No reputation before my time. No honor before my time. If I am not ready for a promotion, don't give me. Can we pray that? If I am not ready for more salary, don't give me. Woo! Everybody is praying for a better salary. Think, 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 think. A man should receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. And he says, second, he says, I am not the Christ. I have been sent before him and I will not change my testimony to accommodate more people in my ministry. Understand that? I am not going to change my testimony to accommodate more people into my ministry. I am not going to do that. The pressure, oh, many people are going there. Oh, praise God. Will I change my testimony? No, I'm not going to change. I already told you I'm not the Christ. I'm not going to change my testimony to accommodate more people into my ministry. My God, what a tremendous lesson for people in the last days. Where people want to have more and more and more and more people into their into their churches and they will change everything. In order to accommodate more people. And he says, no, I stand by by my testimony. And I will not change my testimony to accommodate more people into my ministry. My joy, I am just the friend of the bridegroom. Have you seen bridegroom's friend being given honor in a wedding ceremony? No. My joy is complete, he says. He must increase. I must decrease. Test number three. Passed with flying colors. Scandal quotient? Three. Of course, this is before he went into, goes into prison. Now, <laughs> let's go to Matthew chapter 11. And verse 2 onwards. And when John had heard, in prison, I like that. <laughs> Baba! You passed with flying colors. Now John is put where? In prison, about the works of Christ. In prison. When, he, Jesus, when John heard, in prison, about the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples. How come your disciples are still with you? Hare, I thought uh, they were all supposed to follow Jesus. How come they are still having disciples around him? Okay. And he said to him. Are you the one who is coming? Are you the coming one? Or do we look for another? Suddenly, things have been things have changed, right? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is the one who is not scandalized because of me. What is scandal? What is the scandal? Three. reminder. They have some reminder. Without a zero what is perfect division, that means no remainder is left. That means nothing of you is left. In the old covenant, you cannot have anything of that sort. The moment he went to prison, he was offended. Hey! In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, are you offended that I didn't come and intervene? <laughs> Jesus, I am in prison now. And I have led so many people to you. Are you not going to come now and use your influence and your power and release me from prison? Are you going to treat the one of your, treat the one of your best servants whom you yourself have testified and said to all those who are born of men, there is none greater than John the Baptist. Are you not going to vindicate me? And he got offended. I tell you, affliction reveals the depths Of your ability to handle scandal. What is your scandal quotient today? Look at another set of disciples. Of course, we are talking about the new covenant now. You know this very well. Acts chapter 16. So test number four. (laughs) He got offended. So what is, what is the scandal scandal (laughs) quotient? Three. (laughs) That is the scandal quotient. Three times they got subtracted after baad prison He was not able to handle that. But Paul greatly annoyed. Acts chapter 16. Verse 17 on 18 onwards. You know this very well. We know this story very well. Actually, we can read from verse 22. Paul and Silas. Then the multitude rose up together. Magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods and they laid them with stripes, laid many stripes on them and threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to, re- to keep them securely and you know what happened. Were they offended? No? In fact, in Romans chapter 8 verse 35 onwards, this is what he's gonna say. You know this very well. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Romans chapter 8 verse 35 onwards. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nothing. And then Verse 36, as it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. You know this context, right, of this, of which which, I am in the Old Covenant. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And what is the secret of the person in the New Covenant? We know this very well. You know what is secret? We do not say, I must decrease and he must increase. I must die. That is when our scandal quotient becomes perfect, which is called 7. We'll come to that later on. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20. I have been crucified <laughs> with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. Charles Wesley wrote a powerful hymn. If you can put that up on the screen, please. Called, I am crucified with Christ. Look at the standards, standards, stanzas, my dear brothers. Jesus, my life, thyself apply. Look at that. Jesus, my life, thyself apply. Thy Holy Spirit breathe. My, my vile afflictions crucify. Conform me to that death. How many of you heard this kind of lyrics in the recent days? Okay, next verse. Conqueror of conqueror, he says, you are the conqueror of hell and earth and still and sin. Still with the rebel strife. With this rebel strife, God. Enter my soul and work within and kill and make a life. Conqueror of look at this. Conqueror of hell and earth and sin. Still with this rebel strife. Enter my soul and work within and kill and make a life. When you read this, you will get goosebumps only. And if you don't get tears, then it's a problem. Okay. But I'm not going to cry now. Let's move on. More of thy life and more I have as the old Adam, not decreases, dies. More of thy life and more I have as the old Adam dies. Bury me my savior in thy grave that I, that I within may rise. With thee may rise. Reign in me, Lord, thy force control. Who would not own thy sway? Diffuse thine image through my soul. Shine to the perfect day. Scatter the last remains of sin. And seal me thine abode. Seal me thine abode. Oh, make me glorious all within. A temple built by God. Charles Wesley. Let's read that once again. Let's read that once again, my dear brothers. Jesus, my life, thyself apply. My Thy Holy Spirit breathe. My vile affections crucify. Conform me to thy deaths. Conqueror of hell and earth and sin. Still with the rebel strife. Enter my soul and work within. And kill and make a life. More of thy life and more I have. As the old Adam dies. Bury me, Savior, in thy grave. That I with thee may rise. That's what it says. My old man. What? was crucified on the cross so that this body of sin might be done away with. Uh, Reign in me, O Lord, thy force control. Reign in me, O Lord, thy force control. Who are thy force? My tongue is a big (laughs) foe. reign in me O Lord thy force control who would not own thy sway who would not own thy sway my hands, my tongue, my ears, my eyes my feet, they want their own way Lord, they do not want to be conformed to your to, to your image diffuse thine image through my soul shine to the perfect day scatter the last remains of sin and seal me thine abode O oh, make me glorious all within a temple built by God I am crucified with Christ. Scandal question, seven for this man. (laughs) Perfect, seven. Look at what it says about Jesus Christ. If you turn with me to Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. We know this very well. If you can put it in the NIV, it will be great. Let this mind be in you or let this attitude be in you. This, let your attitude be, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. So he did not grasp. We looked at this very well. Remember, he did not grasp for privileges. He made himself of no reputation, became a bond servant, was made in the likeness of men and the appearance of men. He humbled himself. He became obedient and finally, Obedient to the death on the cross. Seven. Completely emptied himself. Died. And in Christ, this is what God is going to rot in all of us. Through what? Through afflictions. (laughs) You know why? Afflictions reveal what your scandal quotient is. The depths of your love towards God. The depth of your commitment towards God. The depth as to how much of truth you can handle without getting offended. How much of the cross is is applied in your life? Understand that. Now let's go back to Romans chapter 5. Verse 3. Not only so, but we also exult in our afflictions or tribulations or glory in our tribulations or ex- exaltation or 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 uh, or afflictions or tribulations we glory so what do afflictions reveal what are boastings are right what do we boast in hmm. that's exactly what christ does here. he re- eliminates all boasting <laughs> turn to galatians chapter sorry ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 and 9 we know this very well, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any one should boast. No one can boast and will boast. <laughs> That's the whole purpose of uh, justification through faith alone. Romans chapter three verse twenty seven onwards. Where is boasting? <laughs> it is excluded. Matla scandal question ko zero Seven. Perfect. By what law? Of works. No. By the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Who will accept such kind of an affliction, Baba? <laughs> Where all your boastings have been. Cancelled, made zero, nullified. That's the reason why Paul tells in First Corinthians chapter 21, verse 26 onwards. 26 to 31. For you see your calling brothers, that not many wise according to the flesh are called. Not mighty, not noble, not many noble, not many mighty are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the other things that are mighty. And this is such a powerful, powerful tool, right? What a verse, right? Think about it. Think about it all. I mean, with all your degrees. I mean, I, have so, I know so many people are such brilliant people even now. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant people. With all their brilliance, they don't know Jesus. They do not know Jesus. And their brilliance has become the stumbling block for them to know Jesus. So what is the whole point of not knowing Jesus? So how bigger, how beggarly you are in as far as God is concerned? With all your accomplishments and your accolades? And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen are the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. I didn't do this. God chose. I didn't do I didn't choose. If I were to choose, I would choose the best resume. Think about it. No, If resumes come to you, would you choose the worst resume? Of course not. But you know what Paul says? Look at my resume. Worst. But God found me faithful to be put where? Into the ministry. (laughs) I should have been the first person to be eliminated for what I did to the church. That no flesh should glory in His presence. And then, verse 30 and 31. For, but of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God. The person who is absolutely scandalized. He became for us what? Wisdom from God. Righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That as it is written, He who boasts or glories, let Him glory or boast. In the Lord and in the Lord alone. So what should we boast in Baba? Any ideas? Paul tells us very clearly as to what we should boast in. 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 onwards. (laughs) I like that. Okay, 12 verse 9 onwards. 2nd Corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 onwards. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in your weaknesses or weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. <laughs> Are you see, you see, I couldn't do this. Ray. I couldn't solve this math problem, but God gave me the brilliance and I was able to solve this. I was not able to do anything. Can we do, can we say that? Do we say that? Oh, one solution we get, you know, I did it, I did it, I did it. It's like that fellow, no? Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar declares a decree that every wise man has to be put to death. And Daniel asks this fellow, what is happening, what is happening? Tell the, tell, tell the king that I can um, interpret your dream. So this fellow goes all the way to the king and he says, I have found a man. Mahaparbi, he wants to take some glory. I have found a man. <laughs> I have found a man who can king, give the king their interpretation of his dream. I therefore I will gladly rather boast in my infirmities. In other words, I cannot do this. It is impossible. It's like you know Moses saying, "Lord, I cannot speak. I cannot speak. Send somebody else. Send somebody else." Coming to that point in your life, therefore I gladly I will rather boast. And he says, "Lord, I am a man of what lips? Uncircumcised lips." Therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You want the power of Christ to rest upon you? Boast in your infirmities. The moment you boast in your strength is gone. Finished. I can do this. No, 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 no. Like I remember once, Pastor telling, when you are young, you say, I can do all things. Uh, When you grow a little older, you say, I can do some things. And you grow a little older, (laughs) I can do all things. Now you say, through Christ. He only... And he alone is able to give me the strength. But let us be like Paul, wise like Paul, who will say, we are an aroma of death to those who are perishing, a aroma of, not die, of life to those who are being saved, but who is sufficient for these things. So we'll rather boast in our infirmities, In our lack of resources. That is what is complete death. Where you are completely empty of your emptied yourself, and say, Now you say, Lord, fill me. God is dying. What else should we boast in then? Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12. I like this. There's another boasting which is also I love. For our boasting is this what is this boasting? The testimony of our conscience that we conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. Yes, of course. In as far as we are concerned, in the, uh, the world is concerned, we were sincere people. We never ever brought disrepute to the name of God in our dealings with the world. Not in fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God and more abundantly toward you. And this is our boasting. So let's come back to Romans chapter 5 and verse 3 onwards. The last time we'll look at it and then we'll close. And not only this, but we also exult in tribulations. Most important is those afflictions and trials. What do they reveal? They reveal our loves. They reveal our uh, prejudices. They reveal our scandal quotient. And they reveal our boastings. And you know, God says, I have to cut away all this. So, and I'll see how much will you persevere. Knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance brings about proven character and proven character hope and this hope does not disappoint why because the love of god has been shed abroad in our hearts through the holy spirit who has been given to us freely. this is how god takes us especially through afflictions and especially how much of the afflictions you can bear when god keeps on subtracting your your reputation one two three can we become like jesus can we become like Joseph who will not speak one word and allow God to vindicate us? No weapon formed against us will prosper and every lying tongue that is going to raise against in judgment we shall condemn for this is our heritage as a servants of God for our vindication comes from him and him alone. So the question, what is your SQ this morning? What is your scandal quotient? Let's pray. Father, we thank you Lord, we praise you. We give you glory. We give you honor, we give you praise. Yes Lord, the hymn writer said, Conqueror of hell and earth and sin. Still with the rebel strive. Enter my soul and work within. Kill and make alive. Enter our soul, O Lord. And work within us. Strive with the rebel in us. The flesh in us refuses to be scandalized. Who still craves for a reputation in this world. Expose it. Cut it away, O Lord. So that we can truly say, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, who rejoice in Christ Jesus and who have no confidence in the flesh because we have come to the point in our lives when we can confess truly from the bottom of our hearts that in this flesh, there lies nothing good. And therefore we are willing to give it away. And lay it down. To that end I pray that you would bless us oh Lord. Strengthen us and anoint us. So that the love of God. May be shed abroad in our hearts. It could be painful. But Lord. You take us through pain. And you bring us healing. So that you can make us into a blessing to others. For you said in in your word, O Lord, those who bear fruit, you would prune them so that they would bear more fruit. And those whom you accept as son, you discipline so that they can produce the peaceable fruit of righteousness and holiness. For you said in your word, pursue peace with man and holiness without which we cannot see God. And therefore, because we have these excellent promises, grant us the grace that we may perfect holiness in the fear of God by getting rid of all the filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit. Grant us grace this morning. For you are the temple of what We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. We will never take this for granted. We thank you, Father. We praise you. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.